Hello and welcome to session number four of the Rink Shrinks. I'm Brian Yandel. And I'm Mike Motto. So uh, we have a great session on tap for us today. We have Noah Hannafin coming into the studio. He's a great player, great kid, local guy. It'll be great to have him in studio here. Yeah, the pride of Norwood, Mass, and uh, obviously a young stud in the NHL. So we're looking forward to chatting with him. But uh, Somewhat of a man rocket, too. Yeah, something about those BC guys. I don't know. No wonder why I wasn't recruited there. So anything you've noticed in the rink or anything lately that you'd like to discuss, Mott? Um, so we've been back at the ranks. My daughter's playing on a couple teams. My other daughter's playing, coaching my son. You know, So just being a, a fan in the stands and seeing kids coming in and out of lock, the rink and into the locker room, there's a few things that I'd like to bring up and Parents carrying bags. Oh. Carrying a hockey bag is, is part of the culture and part of the process of being a hockey player. Every time I see it, it kind of goes up me sideways. It's like I want to pat the dad or the mom on the back and say, great game. You know, like you worked hard <laughs> out there and you definitely have age appropriate, obviously. I, I feel that it's important for the, the kids to take responsibilities of their equipment and their, their stuff to a sense of pride. Carrying your, your bag in, you get dressed, you, you, know, you carry it out after a good workout on, on practice or, or a game. And, um, yeah, that's just one little thing that my, my parents would have never carried my bag. My brother, my sisters would never carry my bag. So It's one of those things. I mean, I get it when the kid's like, four or five but once you start playing and you're on a team and stuff you got to be able to carry your own bag what about the wheel bag ah unacceptable oh no it's thank you you know i mean even luggage with wheels i i do have one of those yeah the airport (laughs) you you get kind of a pass i know you know but it's you know when it gets to the hockey uh side of things you see the kids dragging them down the stairs it's just like a sloppy look carry your bag pick it up and and have some pride. Talk about a double no-no. The wheel bag with the stick stuffed into the side. Like there's, a, like, there's like a holder on it. Like a golf bag? Like part of playing hockey is you carry a bag, you get your sticks under your armpit, and, and walk into the rink with some pride. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I remember having a bag that was too small to fit all my equipment, so it was kind of a cool thing to carry your pants, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or oh, you put them on the stick, too. Remember that? <laughs> so you carry your stick and, and, and your pants and... Uh, it was through necessity for me, but yeah, that's just one area of kind of like the youth sports that, you know, we can control. Yeah, but that was back in our day too, like with the Donzies and Douglas shoulder pads. Like <laughs> football shoulder. They were football. They were missiles. I remember I, I separated my shoulder and I had my father got me the Donzies and I mean, I felt like Bo Jackson and them. They were enormous. Yeah, I actually wore those Douglas ones all the way through pro and I, wow. I got some, uh, some static. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like I would do a shoulder shake. The the shoulder pads are still moving, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so they're like, wow, look at his deception. Added deception, exactly. So, yeah, th- those are uh, definitely through necessity because they're bulky and big. And But now, you know, with all the the rule changes, they I had to change because of the soft shoulder. Yeah, caps. you got to have like a soft cap on there now. Yeah. And then as far as other things that, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, shirts on hangers or I understand having respect for the jersey and, you know, playing uh, at the highest level. That's one of the things that that's a trickle down effect where, you know, you play for the front of the jersey. You respect the jerseys never on the floor, but you put it in the bag and carry it in. You know, no one's dry cleaning these things and giving it the respect like that. But, you know, like coming into a rank with a pro team, you don't have the equipment managers rolling in. A hanging uh, uh, spot of of jerseys. It's it, they're in a bag and then they get hung up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see hanging them up once you get in the rink, but carrying them in on the hangers is is, is it's a little nuts. I mean, my kids, 
God knows what's in their hockey bags. They just get stuffed in there. That's the other thing. Like, I never, back in the day, we never washed our equipment or anything like that. Now, it, you you just, you love that kind of natural hockey stink to you. You know, that was what it was all about, right? Now people are walking in the, you know, it's right out, fresh out of the cleanest. Yeah, so sometimes it, it may have built up your immune system because of all the things living around your equipment, but... As you get older, like were you were you ever at this phase where you uh, your girlfriend was wearing your jersey? If you had a home game, they were wearing your your jersey for the the dock. If you were wearing white, ah, uh, that no, not a chance. That, <laughs> that's a real no no. Yeah, I mean, you know, be proud and do whatever it takes to kind of no tigers tattoos on that, the wife's face or the girlfriend's face at the time. No, no, not a chance. I mean, do what you have to do to kind of win the girl, I guess. Yeah, know, and, yeah, and maybe keep her, but. Uh, let's just keep that away jersey or that home jersey uh, stuffed away in the bag. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not giving that out. We can't have it smelling like perfume the next <laughs> game, right? That always drove me nuts. Like you'd go to the garden when you were you were younger, watching the Super Eight, and you'd see like you know whatever team it was, and and the kids' girlfriends would have their road jerseys on in the stands. I'm like, that's insane. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a no no. One of the other things we, you know, we talk about quite a bit is that hockey tough, right? Is, is, you know, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, right? I kind of had a proud father moment the last week. He, he went, my youngest Liam's, he's just turned nine, but he went flying into the boards. Like he was battling, going into the corner, like as fast as he could, you know, getting in on the forecheck. He smashed into the boards. Like he was going fast and it was kind of like, I'm the last guy that's going out on the ice and, and going to pick him up. But I even was like, oh boy, like this could be, it could be a collarbone. There could be a, a, an issue there. Right. And uh, so I kind of like stepped off the bench. I was standing in the middle and, and my assistant coach even like looked at me and was like, oh, maybe I'll go. He popped up, luckily, and, and, and skated to the bench. And I looked at him, I'm like, hey, good job getting up. I know that, you know, was hurt. And he looked at me, he's like, well, Dad, I know you weren't coming out to get me. You know, you always complain when if guys lie down and this and that. And that's one thing, it, it, it drives me insane as a coach. You know, if you're really hurt and you're really injured, I get it. You got a broken bone, you got a broken limb, we get that. But the lying down on the ice when you're out the next shift drives me completely bananas. I, I would say it's just more your feelings being hurt. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, laying down. You get a little attention. You maybe it just kind of amplifies the situation. But you know, you don't want to kind of belittle the the injury if someone's injured. But also more often than not, it's you, you can kind of see when someone gets injured versus just hurt or you know like a boo boo. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm in the same camp. I I, I wouldn't really get off the uh, bench to to go get my son or or most players because. Um, you know, again, mom in the stands is is more worried than uh, than anyone when you lay down on the ice, and it's part of the culture. You know, it it does take some toughness to to kind of block a shot or or take a hit or things happen. You know, you run into players and into the boards, but hopefully that uh, that culture you know maintains itself, and you have some guys that can can really withstand a little bit more. Uh, for example, like Greg Campbell when he blocked shot. Uh, oh my and, God, that was insane! Yeah, I was at that game. It was pretty impressive broken leg and still uh, out there trying to block a shot and then skated to the bench. So definitely an extreme of that uh, situation. But if you're not injured, injured, then hop up and try to get... If you can't play the next shift or you're going to be done for the rest of the period, we get it as coaches. Like, you're hurt. You're you're injured. You can't play. If you think you're going to be able to pop back out there the next shift, then suck it up a little bit and at least get back to the bench. Because like I said, and, and you made a good point, and my wife says it all the time, like, 
if you're really hurt, like I'm nervous, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, she's sitting there watching, like she thinks that there's a major problem. We're going to the hospital and, and it's more nerve wracking for the parents than anything else. So suck it up, be hockey tough and, and, and get back to the bench and, and grab a slug of water and, and get back out there. Right. Right. Yeah. As far as, um, parents in the stands and, and stuff like that, that's, uh, this weekend kind of observing a, a parent from the other team. It was a U10 game girls. I mean, he was into it. He had his dunks. He was vocal, uh, really animated, play-by-play, not always the correct instruction from yelling from the stands. But I would I would think that he would be more tired after the game than his, his daughter. <laughs> you know, my, I say that uh, because my brother Rob, when I was playing at, at BC, they would always go to the games, and he refused to sit next to my mom because she was really tense and elbowing and, you know, like... Nervous. Really, yeah, really into the game. So he ended up sitting a little ways away. But we get it, parents. You know, you're really into the game and, and you uh, you want you, your son or daughter to do, do the best. But, you know, just definitely uh, keep things in check sometimes and keep that uh, that emotion level on an even keel. Yeah, and we talk about it all the time, but even, you know, uh, I observed it in, you know, these last couple of weeks, but the parents giving the referees and, and you know, talking to them about... Oh, that should have been this call. This should have, and it's like let me let the refs do their job. Let the coaches coach and just sit there and, and be a parent. Get your get your medium regular with your fresh dungarees on and and you know you you're all set. Just sit there and relax and hang out and watch the game. Have a good time. Yeah, now I say to the coaches as well, and it's it's easy to to kind of observe, but when you're in it, it definitely gets uh, emotional, especially with the the older girls. It just seems. Um, there's a lot of emotion to begin with, and then when boys are checking, also there's a lot of testosterone running around and whatnot. But if the coach can stay in control and not uh, amplify that emotion, it's a it's a great tool to have as a coach. Just trying to keep that even keel, not too high, not too low. You know, wanting to encourage that emotion and, and channel it in a positive way, but not letting it get out of control, such as like the refs, a bad call, you know, someone takes a liberty on someone, doesn't get a call, whatever it is. If you can, as a coach, kind of maintain that that uh, level of calmness and, and lead by example, and usually it's a trickle-down effect to the players. Yeah, the players and the parents, I think. If you're the coach that's up on the bench screaming like a lunatic, I think the parents almost feel like, oh, we can do it as well, and, and it's, like you said, the trickle-down effect. The kids start arguing calls, and the kids start saying, oh, that, sh- that was offside. So that was just like, relax, you're 10 years old. Control what you can control and just play the game. Referees yeah. are going to make mistakes. They're going to they're gonna miss an offsides call. They're going to miss a hooking penalty. They're going to miss goals. That's just part of the game. There's no video replay here. If you can not get caught up in the emotional aspect of it and get too high or too low and just stay even-keeled, then things will work out just fine. A big part of the the game, uh, controlling the emotion and you know momentum and positive and negative. So I always say the shift after a goal, whether it be goal for or goal against, is the most important shift. So when you're going over the bench, you want to maintain that momentum. So you want to try and put the puck in the in the offensive zone and kind of keep them on your heels. If you get scored against, you want to be a leader and and take a take it upon yourself to to make a smart decision and and stop their momentum. So you can really coach that up uh, from behind the bench as well. Changing subjects, I had an interesting morning, just to, if, if we want to get on it, completely unhockey related but I'm sure a lot of people, a, a lot of the listeners out there know the during this quarantine and all that stuff, we were one of the families that, that we got a dog. 
which has been a complete adventure for us, having a puppy. We adopted her, and, and you know, it's been the fellow female in the house for my wife, you know, but she, uh, she's been good. But I was I was driving the, my, my oldest to school this morning, and I'm like, oh, I'll take the dog for a ride, you know what I mean? It'll be fun, get her out of the house a little bit. And I look in the back seat, and she's going bananas just up, and she's a bundle of energy. And I look in the back seat as we're pulling into school, and... The dog's got a half a turd hanging out of its butt, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? So I pull into a spot. I'm like, get me, get this dog out of there. As I grab the dog, pull it out of the car. I'm just trying not to spill that little nugget, you know what I mean? And uh, ends up going to the bathroom. My oldest looks at me. He's obviously probably embarrassed. He can't stand the dog anyways, and my, my other two love it. But he's like, all right, Dad, see you later. The dog goes to the bathroom, and then now I'm trying to, uh, I'm in my, I don't want to let her go either because it's a puppy. She's like seven months old, and she you know, obviously has no idea where she is. So I'm holding the leash. I'm trying to find a poop bag in the, the center console. I pull one out. Next thing you know, I'm stepping in. I stepped in the poop. A complete disaster. Any of you uh, families out there that got the old quarantine puppy like myself, God bless you, man. It, it, it's not easy. I think I would rather be changing diapers again. Yeah, n- nothing like adding a little more responsibility during these tough times. really is. It's awesome. My wife's back to work full time. My kids, for the most part, are back to school full time. So that's been, uh, it, it's been great. It's a great decision, great family decision for the Yandles. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) We have Noah Hannafin coming into the studio here, which is going to be an awesome conversation. Um, Absolute stud of a player, obviously played locally here in Massachusetts growing up, played for St. Sebastian's, the U.S. National Development Team. So we are uh, psyched to be welcoming him into the studio. Yeah, no, he's a great player. I watched him at BC and uh, obviously after playing for Carolina and Calgary. So excited to have him on and uh, we're looking forward to it. So once again, Mots, we'll, uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Integral Hockey Boston. Uh, I was able to try that twig that they gave me. And, uh, How'd it go? Really good. I liked it a lot. The one that I have is is fused in the shaft. And uh, I was out, I was taking some one-timers, and, and I did a bunch of shooting drills actually the other night at practice. And it, it was really good. I liked it a lot. Curve was good. And, you know, I didn't get to choose that, but it was a, a nice little curve on it. But I didn't notice any different. For parents to save a couple bucks if you you know your your new stick breaks, I think that's that's a huge cost savings. And if you're a men's leaguer and you break a stick, you know, say you go out and you spend two hundred bucks on it, and and the stick didn't make you better anyways, and that one breaks, odds are the next one isn't going to make you any better either. So just pay to get the thing fixed. A few bucks you can you know you save uh, a ton of money, and and it's definitely a great option to have. Yeah, a great alternative for for parents, for their kids to repair a stick, and there's a lifetime warranty on where they fuse the the brake. Um, I tried both the the blade and the shaft, and there's no effect on the kick point, and the strength of the blade was really really great. So Integral Hockey, you can find them at IntegralHockeyBoston.com to save some money, keep that stick in play. Don't throw it away, keep it in play. Obviously, you can reach out to uh, our good friend Joe Bartell at jbartell at IntegralHockey.com. Joe's a great guy, and he he'll he'll work with you. And so far, so good. I really like it. I've been using it a lot. I played in a uh, a hack men's league game the other day, and a couple apples. I think I had two G's too, but, yeah, but uh, I'm more counting? of a dish. I'm more of a dish. Who's counting? Located in Quincy and serving Boston Metro, South Shore, and Cape Cod. 
IntegralHockeyBoston.com. Make sure you go to the website, IntegralHockeyBoston.com, and put in the discount code SHRINKS for 10% off. All right, we are pleased to welcome our uh, next guest, Noah Hannafin, the pride of Norwood, Massachusetts. He has appeared in 389 NHL games with the Carolina Hurricanes and Calgary Flames. He's only 23 years old, a complete stallion of a human being. Welcome to the Rink Shrinks Hockey Podcast, Noah Hannafin. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. I can go back a little bit, but my first impression of Noah, I was kind of running like a summer league team, like we used to do the Thursday night league back in the day. It was down in Foxborough, and I think it was Neil Shea called me. He's like, yeah, he's like, I got a couple young guys that can play, and he was like 14, 15 years old, and I'm like, this is like college and pro guys. He's like, no, no, trust me, he can do it. Noah came in and started playing. We had guys like Charlie Coyle, Chris Wagner. Uh, my brother was there, and, and college and pro guys already. And he jumped on the ice and just started buzzing around. I'm like, oh, my God, this kid is something special. So it yeah, was— he, uh, he might have a future. <laughs> yeah, he might have a future here, yeah. I remember those days. Yeah, I remember your dad was actually on the bench coaching, and those are some uh, some good times for sure. When did you fall in love with the game, I guess, is the real question. Yeah, so, you know, for me, uh, I was the first in my family to, to play hockey. You know, my dad never played. I had, you know, no cousins or siblings that, that had played, and, um, you know, I just remember one day as my dad, you know, just took me to a pond to start skating when I was, you know, probably six six years old, and, you know, right from right from the start, I just, I loved it. And, you know, my, my dad always just saw me in the driveway as a kid stick handling, and, I'd be in my kitchen when I was like five years old playing mini sticks all the time. So I think my parents kind of had an idea when I was young that I was, you know, I, I loved the game and I wanted to play. And you know, so my dad kind of signed me up just playing town hockey at first. And I think when I was like seven or eight, I started playing for, for the Salt Shore Kings with, uh, you know, Neil Shea was our coach. And that's kind of where it all started for me. Um, you know, right away we had a, a really good team, like a good youth hockey team, a lot of good players. And I think a big reason, you know, we were successful was, was because of Neil. You know, he was um, he was a hard coach since we were really young, you know, pretty uh, pretty crazy. But he was kind of a genius at the same time, just the way he, you know, he, he ran his practices, how he, like, got the most effort out of everyone on the team. And I think that was just a, you know, a huge step for me and a lot of the guys on our, our Kings team when we were kids, you know, as to improving and getting better and, you know, making our way up until we, I went to St. Sebastian's. But that's kind of where it started for me. Well, that's great. Yeah, Neil runs a great practice, and he's really passionate. So mm-hmm. to have really good players on your team makes those practices better. Yeah. So that's what I've been trying to impress on my my kids that I'm coaching now. Like, you have to practice hard to be able to get the most out of your abilities. You know, it's not just game time when you compete. You compete in practice. And, you know, looking at the that team, you guys had some quality players. Yeah, no, we did. And and, and like you said, I mean, practice is, is, is the most important, in my in my opinion, especially for young kids. You know, I think uh, that was the one thing Neil really focused on was making sure everyone was working hard in practice. You know, you could, you know, you, know, you may not be the most skilled guy on the team, or you could be the most skilled guy on the team, but he was on you either way. If you weren't pra- if you weren't practicing hard and you like weren't showing effort, you know, he would let you know. And you know, my dad, you know, I was obviously really close with him growing up, um, hockey wise. And that was like really the only time he ever got on me like hard was if I wasn't practicing hard and I was goofing around or something. You know, he'd let me know. You know, like you gotta if, I'm, if you're gonna put the work and you know you gotta do it. You gotta do it hard, and um, that's the only way it's gonna pay off pretty much. So I think that was something I learned at a young age, just through Neil, through my dad, and through all my teammates. You know, pushing each other and competing. You know, just we all made each other better. 
Yeah, yeah that's what it's all about. It, uh, and we talk about it all the time is games are just kind of gravy at this point. And, and it's a lot of parents and, and, you know, kids do. They get caught up in the wins and losses and stuff. But practice is where you improve. And, and you know, games are just, it, it's fun. And obviously, and you go to tournaments and you play things like that, it's you have a blast doing it. But where your improvement and, and your skills develop is those, you know, those skills and practice, those small area games and that's really the big thing. Um, your father, Bob, was he in the uh, a prison guard? He was, and he's uh, he's the chief at West Rush Bay Court now. Oh, that's Court right. Officer, yeah. That's right. So did he put a lot of pressure on you, or was it just more? No. You know, yeah, he never really put, like, pressure on me. It was more just, you know, I think he knew I loved hockey, yeah. and, you know, that meant something to him because, you know, he wanted me to succeed at it because I loved it. So I think, like I said earlier, I think the biggest thing for him was just effort. You know, if I, you know, had a bad game and I didn't play good, like, he wouldn't come into the car and, like, freak out on me or anything, but... I was at practice and you know he took me all the way there and drove me there and you know, he wanted me to work hard and try to improve and that was something I think just from a really young age was instilled in me and I just learned it so as I got older like I didn't need to be you know told like hey you got to work hard I just knew because I, I already that was how I kind of was raised you know but he was never you know putting pressure on me I think he let me figure it out myself and um, I think I was I was lucky you know I was surrounded by just a good group of, of guys um, and obviously having Neil was it was a huge advantage too. I think being a young kid and having him as a coach, and and I think my dad just kind of made me listen to him, and I think my dad trusted Neil and let him do his thing. So. Oh, that's great. It's easy to be mediocre. Yeah. You just go and your par- parents are bringing kids to you know. There's a lot of commitment now, but you go and if you're not utilizing that practice time, it's mm-hmm. it's a waste of time. Yeah, there's just like and as, as I got older, I started to learn more and more. It's just. There's so many good players, like, and it starts young too. I mean, even when I was a kid, I mean, there there are guys that just keep improving and are late bloomers. But you all see kids who were good when they were younger, who just are good kind of the whole the whole time. And you know, there's just so much talent out there. If you if I mean, if you don't want it that much, it's fine. You know, you I mean, hockey's fun. You know, kids love it, and you know, I, I mean, it's obviously hard to get to like the NHL or whatever. But I think if you really want it and you love the game and you want to play in college or you want to go you know far in the game like you have to you have to work at it you know because there's just too much talent if you don't if you don't work hard and you don't practice like hard then it's just gonna you know there'll be someone else who's who may not be as good as you when you're young but it's just gonna outwork you and get better as they get older so there's kids that play hockey right that just love it and have a good time and you know they meet buddies and all that stuff and then there's there's hockey players like mm-hmm. those are the type of kids that they love the game they mm-hmm. fight for every inch on the ice they compete in practice they're not just showing up because it's an hour a daycare for their kids yeah. I'm sorry for, for away from their parents yeah. and that's kind of what I the message I relay to you know the teams that I coach is like hey if, if you guys just want to show up and have fun like it is what it is we can do that but if you're here to be a hockey player and learn the game then you're in the right yeah. spot because that's what I'm. I can't turn it off when I'm on the ice as a as a coach. Yeah, you're hitting on all the great points that you know we're trying to get across to our listeners and just stressing the importance of practice and kind of like that unwavering desire to get better and enjoying that process. Yeah, you know, it's it's fun to put the work in and then see see the rewards eventually. Yeah. Yeah, and it really doesn't it doesn't stop either just at the rink. I think, you know, for me as as a kid, you know, I had that type of passion or like I'd go home and I'd still be in the driveway and just be stick handling and shooting pox and just like kind of playing and um, you know, sometimes my parents were, were on me a bit cuz I wouldn't want to go and do homework and stuff, but I think that was just how I was as a kid, you know. I just always had a stick in my hand. I I loved the game and um, you know, when I did get a chance to go on for practice, whether it was for 45 minutes or an hour, like I was taking advantage of that because I was like excited. I was looking forward to get on the ice to practice every day. And you know, luckily, I think a, a lot of the kids on my on my Kings team were like that. You know, Colin White, 
um, you know, Lincoln Griffin, Pat Shea, John Marino. Um, we had a we had a whole crew of guys that you know went went pretty far in the game and played college, or some guys got drafted playing in the NHL now. So it's uh, it's funny how how you look back when you're you know ten years old, but it, it it does translate and it goes quick. So you gotta take advantage of it. Were there any players that you looked up to and kind of modeled your game after? I just watched a ton of hockey as a kid. I mean, I I actually would say when I was young, I actually probably watched more college hockey than like going to like Bruins games and stuff. So it's funny that people like ask me like who was your favorite player in the NHL like but I really like I didn't go to like a ton of Bruins games as a kid I was always going to like BC games BU games um, so that's kind of where I, I looked up to a lot of like college players as a kid and I think as I got older like going into high school into the, to the U.S. program is when I started studying like NHL players a little bit more and, and you know watching uh, the way they play and what I got to work on um, you know when I was you know, in high school. I love to watch like you know Drew Doughty and Duncan Keith, like guys who could like really skate, because I felt that was my my best asset as a player was skating, and I just try to 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 watch those you know high end defensemen who play that way in the NHL and just learn. To get back to your your, your point prior, it's ice time so valuable and it's so expensive. But what you said, and I think that kids really need to listen to, is you're thinking about the game and you're getting better. Didn't just stop when you know you left the rink. You went home and you shot pucks and you stick handled, and those are things that you can do away from the rink you don't need anything but a you know a little plexiglass and, yeah. a, and a net and obviously nowadays they have all these different stick handling tools and things like that but that's huge now you know were you the type of kid that was playing multiple sports or were you playing hockey year-round or no I played multiple sports that was another reason why I think I actually loved hockey so much is because I got away from it as a kid so you know in the summers I, I mean I'd play in like a tournament here and there like big summer tournaments I'd, I'd play in and maybe go to like a week camp or something. But I was playing baseball all summer. I was traveling around for baseball. Um, you know, I played some football when I was younger in the, in the fall, soccer. Like I played a ton of different sports. And I think just having that, you know, ability to play different sports and, and, and see yourself as an athlete in different ways made me love hockey even more because I was always just excited for hockey season to come. And I think sometimes if, if you overdo, especially at a young age, and you just keep playing like so much, you, you know, a kid may get a little burnt out and, um, I don't think that's good. I think, you know, as a, as a young kid, you obviously in the summer, you want to be stick handling, you want to be shooting pucks, you want to be working on your game, but it's it's still good just to develop your overall athleticism and play other sports and meet new kids. Like, that's just, I think that's a, you know, I hate to I hate to see, like, you know, so many kids I feel like nowadays are just getting into one sport and, like, they're just, like, hammering away at that one sport. And I'm like, well, you know, I feel for me at my age and a lot of the players that I play with growing up, they always played multiple sports. And I know Keith played a bunch of sports, like, I just feel like it's a very valuable thing to do as when you're a young kid. Yeah, we chatted about that with some of the athleticism that translates from sport to sport. And, and then when you get the chance to sport-specific, mm-hmm. then those uh, skill sets translate. Yeah. And to your point, you meet so many other different kids, and, and you have fun doing it, and it's seasonal, and, and yeah. then you get excited to get back on that Yeah, ice. you get a little bit of a break away from that, and... And, and that's not to say, like, you completely put, like, when I, I mean, I was always, like, in the summer, like, I would always be stick handling in the driveway, shooting pucks, but I was just off, I was off the ice a bit, which I think was good, and just playing baseball, and um, I did that all the way up until I was, you know, I left for, for the U.S. program, I played other sports, so I, I didn't, like, stop when I was young, I did it all the way up until it became pretty much, like, a full-time job for me, so. You went to St. Seb's for three years? Four, yeah, I went four years to Seb's. I left after my sophomore year, so in seventh grade to, to sophomore year. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, that was an unbelievable experience. I still say to this day it was probably playing hockey at Seb's is one of my favorite, you know, hockey, you know, teams that I ever played for. And, um, you know, my cousin, who was a little bit older than me, who I was real close with, he went to Seb's. So 
I grew up going to Seb's hockey games and, and going to his football games, and I was just always around the school. So since I was a young kid, I always kind of wanted to go to St. Sebastian's, and um, you know, fortunately I got in there, and, and it was just an unbelievable experience for me. Some of my best friends to this day are all from Seb's that you know I still hang out with all the time. So just a great community, and um, obviously the hockey team there. Like you know, we didn't we didn't win any championships or anything, but we still had a lot of good players. You know, we had Daniel Regan, who was a a stud, Desberg, and I was in the eighth grade. He was the captain. He went on to play at Harvard. Um, we, you know, we had a lot of good guys that played Division One, and you know, it was just a it was a good experience. And a, that was the first time I started playing with older kids, which was a, right. a big change for me because I was always playing my own age. And then I went to Sebs, and I was playing with kids who were eighteen and a lot older than me, so it was kind of a different game for me. But just yeah, to, you start to learn like here's what I can get away with and yeah. here's what I can. I can't make Try that extra a, stick handle with yeah. the puck. That last guy back toe drag. Yeah, yeah. I see. You, you, that was my first time. I started to to mature as a as a player. You know, fortunately, you know Sean McCann, who was the head coach at Sebs, you know he allowed me to to play as an eighth grader, which is you know, I was pretty young. I was 13, 14, playing you know against eighteen year olds, and it was it was tough. But you know, I think uh, that was an age where I started to develop a lot because when I went back to my own age, you know, in the summer when I was in the eighth grade and stuff, I I felt like I I was so used to playing against kids who were way older and bigger and stronger. It, it helped me a lot. Was Grazy there? Did he help out at all? Grazy, he started uh, helping out there right after I left, oh, so okay. I just missed him. But I see him. I see him quite a bit. Up Team, he's okay. the best. We're gonna have him on at some point, but he's. Uh... Mike Greer, for those of you guys that, that don't know what we're talking about, obviously, was a, a veteran in the NHL and one of the, the best people you ever meet in the game. As far as St. Sebastian's, you know, you're talking about your great experiences there. Was it a tough decision to decide to go to the National Development Program? Yeah, it was extremely tough. Um, yeah, it was it was really hard. And, you know, for me, you know, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a homebody. Like, I love being home. I love being with my family. And, and I was obviously really close to all my friends from Seb, so... You know, I had to make that decision if I was going to move away from home when I was 16 and go out and, and play on Ann Arbor. It wasn't easy, and it wasn't easy telling, you know, Bill Burke's the headmaster, who my family is really close with, and it was just a, it was tough telling them, you know, I got I to gotta leave. But, you know, I think uh, ultimately it, it was uh, the right decision for me specifically. I don't think, you know, every kid should, should leave and, and go play a junior somewhere else. I think that's a, another trend I've been, I've been seeing a little bit. A lot of kids are starting to leave, you know, high school at a younger age to go play somewhere else where, you know, I think uh, sometimes it's good just to be, you know, at your school, be with your friends, dominate, like have the pocket, tons of ice time. Like, I think that's another really good way for kids to develop. And, you know, maybe if you need an extra year before college or not, you can take that. But I still think it's it's really good just to have the pocket and, and dominate a lot. And, and, you know, I think if it wasn't for me going to the U.S. program, I definitely would have stayed at Sebs. So. Yeah, we talked to Ryan Shea, another former teammate mm-hmm. of yours uh, with the Kings growing yep. up and stuff, about just that and where he stayed and made the decision to stay at BC High and, and play and, you know, as opposed to even going to prep school mm-hmm. and, you know, how much he benefited from that experience. So, you know, it's a, it's a great point. No, for sure. And everyone's different. I mean, I think, uh, every, like I said earlier, I think everyone has different routes to get into where they want to be. You know, some guys... You know, move away. Like for me, it worked. Like I thought going to the U.S. program really helped me develop a lot, and I think that was just because of the competition I got at the U.S. program. Like, you know, every single day I'm practicing against you know Austin Matthews and you know Zach Arensky and, and you know Jordan Greenway. Just like our whole team, we had. I mean, I think I'd say almost half the team is playing you know in the NHL now from that specific team. So that that was just a good opportunity for me, just competition wise, and you know just practicing every day against some of the top guys just helped me. But um, but it was good. I mean, I thought Sebs, you know, at the end of the day, was I wouldn't have been able to do what I did if it wasn't for going to Sebs and, and that experience there. And Coach Granado was there at yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, Don Granado was there, who was, he was unbelievable coach. He was great for me. And 
um, you know, he was the first coach that really introduced me to film and then kind of like after practice, I'd go up and, you know, watch. You just have clips of like Drew Doughty and Duncan Keith and there's some guys that I like to watch and, and we'd all go up and, just, and watch a little bit. So he was smart. He was a different type of coach, but he was uh, he was great at, at helping kids at our age develop, especially. Yeah, well, then you, uh, you know, you went on to Man Rocket U at, at, <laughs> at BC, where obviously, like I said to Mott's earlier, there was a reason why they didn't, they didn't really recruit me too hard at BC was obviously, I know what it was now is the looks factor. <laughs> uh, you went to BC and, and for a year, and I think you were the youngest player to ever play at, at Boston College, you were like 17. Yeah. The yeah, youngest in the college hockey that year, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think I may have been the youngest player. Yeah, it was... That was a great experience too, and um, you know I uh, I wanted to go to BC. To, you know my grandfather went to BC, and like I said earlier, I was just always going to BC games as a kid, and my dad would always take me, and um, just fell in love with the school. And I started uh, doing some trips and, and and checking out the schools. It's just a, it's an awesome spot, and you know I'm obviously pretty close to like you know Kev Hayes and those guys, and and they were there when I was you know deciding where I want to go to school and I mean it was just a no-brainer for me unfortunately I missed you know Kev and, and Johnny Gaudreau and those guys by here who have been a lot of fun playing with them but it was still it was a great experience for sure yeah my last year playing was 14 and then I, I came out and I was doing some scouting and uh, I was asked to do a BC DU TV game or actually no radio game we went on a, a road trip oh yeah that was the first time I met you in person and in the airport, looking up at these guys, Alex Tark, Noah, like, I'm like, these guys are big boys, you know, Adam Gilmore, you know. Like, yeah. yeah we uh, so a b- big group of uh, players, and, and then I get to watching. And so I remember talking to you about having an extended stick and you still moving your feet, mm-hmm. and you, you referenced uh, Coach Granado, but that's something that I really look for in a defenseman, taking a good angle, using your asset, which is is really your skating, that elite skating, and um, – but with that extended stick. So I was really impressed at a young age to be able to kind of manage that game, you know, the pace of the game. And so when I was calling the game, I, I think I, I it was uh, all over you. I, I was wearing the Hannafin shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully your parents were listening back home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mott's had the, oh, you had the the Hannafin road jersey on, like yeah, we were yeah. talking about earlier. The, the no-no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, had, you, you were the... The side piece in the stands with the with the with the, uh, with the jersey on, I, I get it. I yeah, get it. and then I was able to play with them in the Comav Classic, and I kind of played oh, another yeah. f- five D-partners. years. Deep you know? partners, yeah, yeah. all, all the awesome. top guys playing. I got the old uh, the old timer out there, but they paid me up with him, so I could I could get by. <laughs> it's all about picking a good partner, that's for sure. Exactly. Was the uh, was the Quebec League an option at all, or, or did you you know I I know obviously you talked yeah. about BC a lot, but what, did that come into play in, at all? Um, I mean, yeah, I think it, it was tough for me. We were trying to look at every option just to see, you know, what was probably going to be the best route. I mean, I got drafted by Quebec, the Remparts, and uh, you know, they had a, a pretty good program up there. They were, they were hosting the Memorial Cup actually that year that I was going to maybe go. So it was definitely a little bit of a decision. I put some thought into it for sure. But, I mean, ultimately, like, I just knew, like, my whole childhood I wanted to play, you know, college hockey. And, you know, I think if I uh, – if I went to the Quebec League, it may, it may have worked out and, and been good for me, but I always think I would have maybe regretted not having the opportunity to go play, you know, college hockey and, and play at BC. So I was uh, I was definitely pretty confident and happy with the decision. Carolina Hurricanes are proud to select from Boston College, Noah Hannafin. Boy, that's a, that's a long way from Froggy's Pond yeah. in Norwood. After your freshman year, you were drafted fifth overall in the 
2015 NHL draft, which if you, you look back at that draft, I mean, you had one was McDavid, two was Eichel, three was Strone, four was Moner, and five was, was Hannafin. That's a pretty good uh, yeah, pretty was, good top five. Yeah, crazy draft, really. Even some of like, the later picks in, in, yeah. that, in, the, in the draft, like all this, like a lot of good good players who are who are playing now. So it was uh, that was a cool experience, you know, going uh, you know going from BC into the draft and going through that whole process. It was a lot of fun. And there's some local kids, you know, you're saying like Jack Eichel, Ryan Shea, and uh, Connor Garland. Mm-hmm. So uh, and Colin White was another Colin first White round. too. Yeah, there was another a, first round. A lot too, of right? a lot of real good good players, especially local kids. So it's cool. It's uh, it was cool to be a part of, it. it's cool to to see like who's playing now and everyone is doing so well you know it's 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 awesome to see and a lot of kids that i i play with are at the u.s program or played with growing up you know who are all uh crushing it now it's good to see especially for the local kids you ended up making the decision after your freshman year to leave and go to carolina and and basically stepped right in and played what was it like seeing rod the bod in the locker room i know he was an assistant coach but i remember seeing him when Keith was in the All-Star game in Carolina. I forget what year it was. And I, he had, like, just got done playing uh, Rod Brindamore. And he was, like, scouting or doing something for Carolina, but he was around the rink. And I remember seeing him, like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. all anybody ever talked about was that guy's work ethic. It's, and, it's, and you can see, obviously, with Carolina now, and he's, you know, become the head coach. But the guy's an absolute missile. Yeah, he is, he is a missile. He, um, I felt, like, I felt so small being next to this guy, like, walking around, especially my rookie year. And... You know, all the guys on our team like would agree that he was by far not even close, like the most shredded guy in the organization. He was our <laughs> assistant coach, and uh, just a crazy work at the obviously had an unreal career. And um, you know, he was he was around the forwards when I was uh, in Carolina for my first couple of years, but just like an awesome guy. And he was so positive with players, which I liked. You know, as a as an assistant coach, like he would you know if you did something wrong, like he would he would tell you and, and talk to you about it. But he was always like giving you confidence, which I think is huge, especially for young players. Like you want to be able to give young guys like confidence to not be afraid to make mistakes and go out and play and like try things. If you, know, you get players who who are afraid to to make plays, it's gonna affect them mentally, and you're not gonna get the best version of them. So I think that's a big you know reason why Rod's had a lot of success in Carolina now as a head coach is just because. That's something he really focuses on. I mean, he obviously demands so much work ethic. Like he makes sure guys are working hard. That's his whole. That's the culture he wants to 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 build. And I think he's done a good job of that. But he also he gets it. He's played the game, and he knows that you know you gotta you gotta let guys play and make make mistakes. You know, that's the only way they're gonna learn. So, I uh, it was awesome being able to to know him and, and play for him. Yeah, that's a refreshing approach. You know what you're up against. You know what you put the work in, but also you, you still have that ability to make some mistakes. It's mm-hmm. As a player, it's tough to play tight, yeah, especially for a young player. So yeah, that's great is. to hear. Yeah, especially when you're coming into the league at 18 years old, right? You no, know, so you played three years down there. You were an all star in, in 2018, which must have been an unbelievable experience. And obviously, uh, you know, then you've were traded to Calgary. Mm-hmm. But talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. You know, Carolina. You know, it was a, it was a good start from for my career. I think uh, in my first first two years, it was a lot of learning, like a lot of a lot of mistakes were made. And you know, I was young, and it was my first time where I was like, you know, I wasn't able to get the puck on my stick and just do whatever I wanted. You know, there was just so much talent, and you know, I kind of had to learn. It took me a little little long, um, a lot of time just to find the speed and figure out the speed of the game and the strength of guys in front of the net and like that whole defensive side. Because when I was at BC and I was younger, I didn't really need to like worry about the. Know, exact type of defensive you know style I want to play because they usually would just have the puck and control the game with the puck offensively but when I got to the NHL it became a lot more you know you got to focus on the defensive side of the game you got to have a good gap you have to have a good stick at the box out and you 
know, I think those first couple of years in Carolina, I, I learned a lot of that and um, just try to keep building that area of my game. And, and, you know, now going into Calgary, I feel pretty comfortable with my, my defensive game. I feel I can play in all situations if I'm needed. Um, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a, 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 a longer process of developing, I think, for me in the NHL. I feel like I've gotten better in different areas every year, but um, you know, going into my sixth year now, I'm 23. I feel that now I'm in a good spot where I can, I can, I know who I am as a player, and I can start to build off that. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, obviously playing in not as crazy of a hockey market, even though obviously Carolina's done well recently. But the pressure of being able to walk around and all that type of stuff. Whereas I'm sure now up in Calgary, you can't walk yeah. down the street without people yeah. knowing who you are. Yeah, pretty like pretty different for sure. I mean, Carolina, I think for a young guy, was a good place for me to start and just. You know, in Canada, it's a different animal. You know, it's uh, you know, that's that's like their their life up there. You know, they 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 live by the Calgary Flames and in, in, in Calgary. So you got to uh, you got to perform, you got to play well, you got to play hard because the the fans and the people expect that out of you. And not that people in Carolina don't. It's just a little bit of a different. You know, Canada is different than all other you know organizations. In my opinion, playing up in Canada is, is different. And um, you know, I think Carolina helped me get to that point where I was starting to figure out my game. And I got comfortable in who I was as a player. And then when I went to Calgary, I you know, we had a really, really good team my first year there. You know, last year, and you know, we we had a tough bounce in the, in the playoffs. But you know, it's just a good organization, good players, and and it's uh, it's been an awesome time being able to experience playing in Canada. Yeah, and they know their hockey up there too, so they yeah. can kind of back it up as yeah. opposed to other places, yeah. especially in the U.S. They might not know it as well. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, March, you had a cup of coffee up in Calgary too, right? How long were you up there? I was up there for about a month. Played four games. Yeah, it was it was yeah, pretty. It cup was, of cup of Tim Hortons. Yeah, <laughs> Tim Hortons was uh, was it. Yeah, but it was uh, a great environment. We played. I played in the Battle of Alberta, mm-hmm. Edmonton, Calgary, and it was it was pretty cool. You know, I was with Drury and Aginla, and those guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, playing it for a Canadian city, like you said. To your point, though, you mentioned it a couple times, uh, being a good self-evaluator and kind of understanding your game will allow you to take another step yeah. and kind of be valuable in any situation. So if you're working on your D-zone game and your defensive play, you understand that. You know, Obviously, you have some uh, offensive abilities as well, and so you can be a valuable top-four defenseman. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important to be a good self-evaluator for the kids. You know, understand your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses, but also play to your strengths. Yeah, no, for sure. You got you got to be honest with yourself, and you got to know you know who you are as a player. And I think, especially just you know for younger kids too, like you know you want to you want to be looking for what you need to work on all the time. Like if you you don't want to just you know if you had a couple goals in a game, but you're you know you're not playing you know that you're playing bad in certain areas. You want to find what that is, and and you want to work on that and keep getting better at it. And I feel that for me, that's kind of like the approach I've taken my whole life is just trying to each summer or each season, just trying to find something I can get better at and keep working on. And and uh, I still try to do that to this day. And it's the only way I'll get better. I coach a couple of younger teams, obviously. So I'm just picturing you compared to some of my guys who, you know, I have some kids like defensemen that can take the puck and really like lug the mail, right? Mm-hmm. And go into and and this and that. And it's, it's try teaching them like, hey, yeah, great goal, but. Mm-hmm. You had three open guys, and and once you get to that next level, whether and even you know now at this point, whether it's square, it's peewees. Mm-hmm. Every year you climb the ladder, yep. that play is not going to be there. You're not going to be able to mm-hmm. to go end to end. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I and I I was the same way. I was a kid. Like I used to do the same thing, like pick up the puck and just try to go end to end all the time. And and you just learn. You start to figure it out because eventually, you know, you're gonna. Like you said, you're gonna to come to a point where you're just not able to do that, and you're gonna you're gonna to have to find other guys. And I think just at a, you know, young age, you can see too. Like I remember, um, 
you know, like this kid Jeremy Bracco. I used to he was like one of the best. He was like when I we were like that name. when we were like ten years old, like he was the best player like in the world, like unbelievable. And you know, he's still like a really he plays in the AHL, but he still like lights it up, like unbelievable power player. But he was always like dishing the puck at such a young age. Like he was always just feeding guys and like can move the puck so well at a young age and you know, he may not score like five goals, but you could always see the way he was moving the puck. And remember Neil Shea being like, "He's gonna, he's gonna be a good player. Like he's gonna play a pro for sure someday." And he did. You know, even though he was like a really small guy, it's just you can see like the kids who can move the puck and pass and use each other at a young age. Like you can tell they have hockey sense, and that's something that you know you could have a kid who goes goes out and score a hat trick every game, but if he doesn't have like that hockey sense where he's like seeing the ice and moving it, like. You know, that's going to get tough eventually because you're going to run into higher competition where you need to use hockey sense. So Right. You want to be a player that, that makes the guys around you better. better. Exactly. 100%. Any uh, bean pots when you were at BC? Talk to us about we that. We played at one bean pot. We lost in the final. We lost in, I think, double or triple overtime. The game ended at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I remember that. It was a bummer. But yeah. Mots didn't win any either. Really? No. no. Yeah. Four years, too. Yeah, it's Jeez. sucks. Yeah, I, and then BC, I think, I could be wrong, but they were on an absolute <laughs> streak, too, before I uh, I got there. So maybe I brought the bad luck because yeah. AZ and all those guys won a bunch. So Yeah, for me, they got rid of the dead weight and started winning championships. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk to us about, you know, playing in Calgary now, and, and you got guys like Monahan Kachuk and obviously uh, Mark Giordano, and, and mm-hmm. it's a— it's Johnny Hockey. Johnny Hockey, hockey uh, Johnny and Ham and Cheese, but those—, those those type of players now and it must be a pretty fun group to be yeah, around it's an unreal crew i mean it's uh it's been a blast for me being able to play the past few years just you know johnny you know makachuk you know sam bennett like guys who are my age who i spent so much time with through all like great dudes and and then I, I also got some like real good leadership and and you know seeing guys you know like geo like he really helped me a lot because when I was in Carolina, we had such a young team. Um, you know, we, you know, I had some older guys on the team that I could definitely look up to, but I think Geo, just for me as a defenseman, like he was the type of player I want to emulate my game after. And just, uh, you know, he won the Norris my first year in Calgary and just able to watch him like that and watch his work ethic. Like, such a good guy, like hangs out with the, the players all the time, goes out to dinner with the young guys, but like works so hard. You know, that's a guy who's undrafted, you know. He's like what I was talking about earlier, like a long process. Like he like he wasn't a superstar his whole life as a little, as a kid, but he just worked so hard every year. Didn't get drafted to junior, didn't get drafted into the NHL, and then at thirty five wins the Norris Trophy, you know. And he just kept getting better. He never gave up. He never quit. And um, just seeing that work ethic every single day, and seeing how he handles himself, and if he makes a mistake, like his mental toughness, like he doesn't get down on himself. He just comes back. He's just like a machine the whole game. So for me, like. As a young player, like it's been huge for me to, to watch someone like that, um, and uh, just be able to, you know, have the privilege to play play with him. And you know, you got guys like Luch, who <laughs> he's pretty cool to play with as well. Just you know, um, growing up watching him play for the Bruins, like my whole childhood, and now he's like my teammate. All of a sudden, he talks about you know winning the cup and you know what it takes to win. His presence has been awesome, and just a good group of guys. You know, Makachuk. I mean, he's uh, going to be a superstar for a long time. He brings it all to the game, you know, tough kid, plays hard, wants to win, super skilled. Um, fortunately, we get Big Walt that's at a lot of the games, a couple Calgary trips a year, which is a lot of fun to hear hear from him too. Um, but, yeah, just a good group, good group of guys, and, it's, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun, you know, being there for sure. You're a fun team to watch, you know, and that's the, the, the you know, as a fan. Mm-hmm. And then you have some some guys that you know personally, and you have a rooting interest, so it yeah. makes it pretty fun. I played with Luch as well, so it was like he, yeah. he's an intense, uh, funny, 
great guy. Yeah, yeah he just, is. Great an teammate. Oh, yeah. He's the best. Yeah, we just wanted to thank you for coming in, sharing all your stories, like from youth all the way through. And I think you have, have had a lot of great points that you made, like that we've been trying to make to the kids and, you know, working on your game and, and working on your weaknesses and being a good self-evaluator and just loving the game. So we wanted to thank you for coming in. We really appreciate it. And obviously, you know, you're, you're entering your sixth year at only 23 years old. And we see the a bright, bright future for you and, and the Calgary Flames as well. Hopefully uh, you guys, like Mott said, a, a fun team to watch. And, you know, we think every year you guys are, are going to be in the mix to win a Stanley Cup, especially with that young core group of, of, of talent that you have up there. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. And, and we're looking, you know, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Yeah, and I'm going to keep pulling that Hannafin jersey out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, no, I uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, uh, it was a blast and I'd love to do it again. Welcome back. That was um, an awesome interview with Noah Hannafin. I thought he was great. Um, I think it was great for parents and kids to listen to everything that Noah had to say. And, and obviously he's a, I mean, talk about an outlier. The kid's an absolute stallion. He's going into his sixth year in the NHL and he's 23 years old, but he really gets it in all concepts of life. That's for sure. Yeah. Great interview. Touched on a lot of great points and uh, we're just really happy to have him. So Mata, it was uh, it was interesting. I was I was watching TV the other night, and they had this uh, real sports with Brian Gumbel, and there was a uh, America's Trophy culture, which was uh, a pretty interesting piece, and it talked about the modern day athlete, and you know everybody getting a trophy and and all that type of stuff, and uh, it was pretty interesting. Did you happen to catch that? Uh, I actually did that segment on the real sports. It was interesting because I think it's hurting the kids. Participation trophies. So you're getting a trophy for not so much effort or trying. It's just participation. So it sets the bar really low. It's, it's basically just for signing up. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a lady saying that just because they're on the roster, they get a trophy. They don't even have to show up. Yeah. So ultimately, um, you know, they, they went into saying, it. you know, the trends in psychology, it's it has lasting effects. Interesting. Pretty big words for you there. Yeah, no, it, it has, it, it's it's a little bit of a hot topic. You deserve a trophy. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it, put it on the mantle, improve my self-esteem. Another participation point. Yeah, so I look at it as what we deal with with hockey right now. You know, there's a little bit of an illusion of, say, ability. This could be, you know, a, a big portion of that process. You know, you want kids to be motivated to improve and, and to engage in the process of improving to get a trophy when they realize the results. And, and that's something that in, in this segment and on the real sports, it was, it was like a huge business. And I understand like having some inclusion and, you know, kind of making kids feel good, but ultimately it's, it's kind of sending the wrong message. There's something to be said for people that go out and work hard and all that type of stuff. But I don't think it's a major problem in hockey. I mean, I think at the end of the day, at least the leagues that that, that I'm involved in, there's standings, there's a winner and there's a loser of each contest. I mean, this this even talked about a lot of the games don't even have scoreboards. Part of why we, we, we sign our kids up to play these games is life lessons, right? And it's not always going to be, you know, you're not going to be handed something. We talked to Noah Hannafin today. He grew up in a working class family with his father, worked in the in the court system. And, and you know, this this guy went to work every day and, and provided for his, his child and nothing was handed to him. And this guy, you know, he, he outworked the guys that he played against to get to the NHL. And that's what, you know, that's what we're trying to accomplish here with, with hockey and with our kids is those life lessons. And nothing is handed to you in life. Everything, you, you have to work for everything. Um, you've got to put on your work boots every day and, and, you know, go provide for your family when it gets to that. And, and even at the, the younger levels, you know, just because you show up, just because you have a, a decent roster doesn't mean that 
you're going to go out and win the game. Every team wants to win. You've got to go out and compete and work your butt off, and that's what's going to make you a, a better hockey player. And a lot of these preschoolers now, I heard that instead of that song, Frere Jacques, they're saying, I am special, I am special. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's... Uh, that's not happening on in in my uh, team huddles, you know. No, not in your locker room. No, that's an interesting concept. But as I mean, as we go through it, that it kind of leads to the carrying of the bag. You know, the shirts on hangers, the roll of bags. It's part of the culture of putting that work in to be a hockey player. When we're coming through, the outliers were the kids that had that delusion of ability and thought they were good when they weren't really good. Now it's just it seems like it's shifted a bit. Where without putting the work in. Kids think they're pretty sweet. At times, that outlier is the kid that has that burning, unwavering desire to get better, and that's encouraging to see, but there has been a shift. And I believe that you put it all together, it's you know kind of a big topic, but that trophy culture is kind of a an overall negative, in my opinion, and uh, participation trophy should be thrown out the window. That's it. Get rid of them. I don't know what they're thinking here, but it, it's not going to help the kids long term and, and you know, I couldn't agree with you more. It's it that's got to be that's got to be scrapped. That segment went on to say about kids getting older and, and getting into college and and having that illusion of being great and getting a B and or a C. Let's just say they expected a B because they went to most of their classes. You know, like it, they they had some some interesting data behind it. Yeah, that it was and, a good point. You know, some scientific kind of material behind it as well. But you know, overall the the trophy culture needs to go. So that's just my two pennies on that. Exactly that, and jerseys on hanger, and you're all set. But I, I do think you're special. <laughs> Thank I you. just want to let you know. I'll sing you that later. All right, Mots, we uh, we got an email here from our buddy up in Canada, Chad. Who, uh, you know, it's great to see that we're we're touching all over the uh, all over the universe here. Nice dipping into the mailbag. I'll read you this quickly as as best as I can with my uh, my Cushing Academy and, and UNH education here, but. I am the director of an Adam division, 10 and 11-year-olds. We recently had one of our coaches pull his goalie with 8 to 10 minutes left in the third period when he was up by 8 or 9 goals. The reason he pulled his goalie was to work on his 6-on-5 play in case he needs to pull the goalie come playoff time. When questions about this tactic, unfortunately, he has listed many reasons trying to justify his decision. Obviously, as a director, this guy's probably getting hammered by everybody, right? He doesn't even consider what he did to be in bad taste. Um, poor sportsman, sportsmanship and just plain wrong. Very curious as to how you would handle this situation from a rink-shrink perspective. Mots, what are your thoughts? Oh, that's an interesting—I've never seen that before. Let's just put it that way at any level. But I think it's way out of line. Number one, you want to try to teach the kids the right things. You, that's what practice is for. Right, you know, you can work on six on five in practice. And hopefully, you I wouldn't even at ten years old. No, that's nuts. Yeah, no, it's not a uh, appropriate thing to do. Pulling the goaltender to 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 do that, even when you're up big, you know, with the power play, like you, you put, you know, some of the kids that you're yeah. that usually don't get power play time or whatever. But like everyone should be rolling over the boards at this age. And I just think he, he, this guy's just a real buffoon. Sorry. Yeah, I, just, I mean. I kinda, un- Real quick, this is what's wrong with 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 you sports these days. Uh, he's looking it, for the Jack Adams. Yeah, this guy thinks he's Jack Adams. He's probably on the bench with his you know his leather jacket on, uh, hair slicked back. Thinks he's thinks he's Mike Babcock. I'm sorry, buddy, but you're a loser. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, you should not you should not be even in practice at 10 and 11 years old working on six on five. Show him on the board. If it happens, it happens. Like you, you pull the goalie and tell. 
two guys to go get the puck, three guys outnumber the puck, and that's it. But that's this was nuts. Uh, if I was the director of this program, which, you know, I, I was a hockey director for almost 10 years. You'd have a word with him? This guy might be getting let go. You, know, you, 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 you don't know. Maybe the director is encouraging it. Well, he was looking for our advice. Oh, he's the director. Yeah, he's the director. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. That's, that's, I missed that. Yeah, he's the director. So oh, he's, he's he's asking our opinion on what he should do with this cycle. Well, he, yeah, he should sit him down. and. Uh, yeah, I don't think this guy's getting it, though. This coach isn't getting it. I wish we knew his name. We could call him out, but he we, we don't want that. Uh, we don't we don't want to go down that route. But uh, so up by eight with eight minutes left, six on five. Pull the goalie. Work on the six <laughs> on five. Hey guys, uh, imagine walking down the bench. Hey uh, Mots, I, uh, I got a good idea. I know we're up by a touchdown here, but I think we should work on our six on five play. I don't think that would be. Uh, I, I, w- I would absolutely be floored to even. Think about that. And number one and number two, uh, just to to even think that he would want to embarrass the team a little bit more. It's uh, it's just wrong on all levels. So, yeah, I mean, this guy he needs to sit down with the shrinks, and yeah. and we should at this point we got to up the 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 price point for this guy. He's we're charging some serious money for this for this guy. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have him lay down on the couch and really see what's going through that noggin. <laughs> So, Mots, that, that, that wraps our, uh, our last psycho uh, pull the goalie coach, but I, I do have another one. This is more of a, a text exchange, and this is from a square team. It goes like this. Hey, I'm leaving for, for Placid on the 26th. Uh, I assume he's talking about Lake Placid. You have any full ice slots open so I can run a practice with just my team? We need a refresher on the one two two. And then this is the other guy, the, the the guy that sent us the show and said, you know, you should do a walkthrough at the at the roller rink. That's how my team learned. He said, it's cold out. I moved them like chess pieces on the ice. We did it before, and we got second. Knocked off a double-A team with it. So this guy being the rink owner says, I'll look at the schedule. And then, um, you know, psycho psychopath goes, uh, these kids are, are, are coddled now. That's why from midgets down to squirts, we have nobody that wants the forecheck. Any thoughts? <laughs> Four checking is so what are they midgets? No, they're squirts. Oh, I don't. What did you, oh, no, it's they said from squirts down, down uh, midgets, midgets down. down. Oh, so these kids are squirts. Yeah, so ultimately systems come into play as kids get older, right? But if you're gonna four check, you're gonna four check. You're gonna skate. You're gonna want to go get the puck. But that interaction is unbelievable between the. Uh, like chess pieces and and went knocking off double uh, A teams. Yeah, <laughs> and we got second. <laughs> second. All well, proud. Well, that's that's a trophy. That's first loser. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, this guy uh, clearly uh, again. Clearly, there's a lot of coaches out there that that hopefully uh, start listening to this and we can really educate them because I think that's what we're trying to do here is is parents, players, coaches as well as you know if you're talking about. Uh, moving kids around like chess pieces, and 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 even working the one two two uh, at the squared age. At the squared age is is a little nuts. Why don't we just start with the trap? Yeah, the the, the jersey trap. Bring back the red line. Exactly. No more two line passes. Do have one more. This is from a guy, Josh. First off, big fan of the show. Uh, really enjoying the rink shrinks. I'm a 26 year old non parent volunteer coach in a small town. Uh, up actually, this guy's from Manitoba as well. Uh, not as well, but he, he's another Canadian. The team consists of nine skaters and a goalie. We're a peewee team. 
We regularly bring in a player who played in the BRIC tournament in the summer of 2019. In fact, he leads our, our team in goals, and he's an age group younger. This kid's an alternate. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to go through the cliff notes here in my highlights, you know. Question to the rink shrinks is, you know, we're heading into the playoffs. Obviously, we have this younger player who's, who's kind of a stud, but I think that they're not too happy with, you know, the parent, the other parents aren't, aren't too happy that this kid comes in and out of the game. He's not a regular player on the team. My question to you guys, uh, the rink shrinks, is do I bring him in for the playoffs and, and try to win this thing? Or what do I do uh, as, as a non-parent? What are your thoughts? That's a tough one because, you know, there's an opportunity to make your team better with this player. But if you have a full complement of players that have been there and showed up for every practice and every game, I think you ride the horses that you that, that you have. By some circumstance that some kid can't make it, then you definitely call the kid up and, and have him have him come. But I, I that's a tough one for me. As a non parent, he's he's actually in a decent position to, you know, make a just a stronger decision, I think. This team also, I mean, they only have nine skaters and a goalie, so they're a pretty light bench anyways. I know with the Eastern Hockey Federation that we coach in, alternates, um, which is basically what this kid is, they're not allowed to play in the playoffs, which, you know, kind of makes sense to mm-hmm. me. There's there's some league rules that were put in place where kids can come and play in a certain amount of games and stuff, but, the uh, you know, they don't allow those alternates to come in and play in the playoffs. So I think it's kind of crazy to be bringing a kid in and out and, and, and all that stuff. Stick with my team, and if we win, we win. You know what I mean. But if you got two lines in three D, that extra guy can, uh, you know, make it four D, and he's it does going, help. Yeah, it, it does help. Every other shift, whatever. But yeah, if, if you're all about winning the ship, there, Josh, go get it. Yeah, do what's best for you. But go six and four. Just be advised. Some of the parents might might not be too happy about it, which I do. I do get that from a a parent perspective. As long as the kid's distributing the puck and. Not uh, going end to end, lugging the mail and jumping into the glass with no one cheering, cheering them on. So, as far as uh, alternates, you know, we've seen it before. But good luck either way. Good luck with your decision. Exactly. So that wraps up session number four of the Rink Shrinks. We would like to thank Noah Hannafin. He was great. And once again, uh, thank you to our sponsor, Integral Hockey Boston. And make sure you go to the website, integralhockeyboston.com, and put in the discount code SHRINKS for 10% off. Great job by Noah Hannafin, and always a pleasure sitting down and talking hockey with my fellow Rink Shrinks.